We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we start this week's show, I want to let you know about our friends over at Endochino. They are the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. It's very simple with their process. You choose a fabric, you pick the customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will arrive straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Endochino showroom, or you can do it all online from the comfort of your own home at Endochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when you enter the code BLUEWIRE at checkout. And even better, shipping is free. Once again, that is Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your first purchase of $3.99 or more. It's an incredible deal on made-to-measure clothing. Don't wait. Get your perfect gift for yourself this holiday season. You really have no excuses to wait anymore to have the perfect clothing and to look sharp. Once again, Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Paul Friel, the $250,000 overall winner in the 2005 WCOF main event and a champion of numerous FFPC main event leagues as well. He currently sits in 12th place in the 2019 FFPC main event, a competition that is going to award more than $3.1 million in prizes, including an industry record $500,000 grand prize. His career high stakes winnings total nearly $300,000. In this episode, we discuss what to make of Tyler Lockett 
how to handle the Vikings running backs in the opening round of the FFPC Main Event Championship, and much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is former $250,000 WCOF champion and multiple FFPC main event league winner, Paul Friel. Kick off the FFPC main event and Football Guys Players Championship championship rounds this week. And joining me uh, this week on the road of his high stakes loadout, a guy who's got uh, some skin in the game here as we enter week 14, 12th place overall in the FFPC main event. Uh, Paul Friel joining me. Paul, thank you so much for hanging out and talking all the fantasy football this week. Good evening and thanks for having me on tonight. It's uh, it's always good to have somebody um, who's in contention for a big-time prize, but this is the biggest of big-time prizes for the FFPC, a $500,000 grand prize. Only 11 people in front of you. Long way to go, though, right? Long way to go, and three big weeks. And I think I'm eight points behind, uh, but three weeks, I mean, I mean, you could be 100 points out at this point and still have a good shot. I, I actually have a second team. That's in it too. That's I think 37 points behind while this team's eight points behind. And that's an easy uh, amount of points to overcome with three weeks. Yeah. I no question. Uh, you know, even like you're talking about like, uh, you know, a hundred plus points, you get hot at the right time. I, I've seen it happen. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody. Well, I take that back. Maybe I have seen somebody a hundred points out win the whole thing. I'd have to research that a little bit more, but uh, these last three weeks are going to be uh, super fun. Um, and super nerve-wracking for a lot of people as well. And I want to talk a little bit about Dalvin Cook. We saw him go down last night, uh, Monday night. We're recording this here on Tuesday night this week. We saw him go down on Monday night football. And uh, he came back to the sideline, didn't go back in the game. Alexander Madison actually looked pretty good in his stead. And I, I feel like now I would never root for an injury. But you're kind of, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're in, the, in, in, in this same line of thinking as me. But don't you kind of want... Dalvin Cook to be listed out this week because you have Madison and you'd rather see all those touches go to to one guy rather than split between the two are you nervous about that about starting Dalvin Cook if he is active worried about maybe closer to like a a 50 or a 50 50 split rather than the 90 10 we've seen so far in Minnesota yeah you know you bring up a really point is we were we were very fortunate to have his backup in Madison and he looked really good I mean you almost look like that's the same guy but it is, you know, the thing that the worst case scenario is that Cook goes out there and plays for a series or two and then gets hurt and you didn't know who to start. Um, and even technically, if you know, one of the things we watch a little bit when uh, you have a team in this is you look at the percent ownership of a guy in the championship round and Cook's way up there and Madison's half. So, I mean, you almost, I mean, it, you, like you said, you never root for anybody to get hurt, but you much would prefer that Madison is declared the starter and Cook needs to take a week off so if i had cook's you know telephone number i'd call him up say hey maybe you should take the week off it might help us <laughs> out because you do to win the whole thing you need somebody like madison that a lot of people don't carry on their roster and you actually need him and two or three other people to kind of go crazy um and so it would be kind of nice if madison went in went crazy and cook set out but it is the worst case scenario where they're both going to play and cook gets hurt after the first series again 
Are you if if Cook is active, are you going to play him and sit Madison? Is that the plan of attack that you, that you're going to take? I, I think so. Um, and one of the things that we'll maybe talk about later too is, um, in on all the high stake World Championship uh, teams, I have a partner or two, and and I actually have been doing this. You know, I won. Um, uh, Wyckoff in 2005, I was the winner of the $250,000. And one of the things I like is I actually like to have with a team, a partner of three, right? And it's because if there's just two of us, one dominates the other and you take turns on whose opinion you take. But with three, there's always a vote. So we, we will have a very lively discussion. Hey, do we sit, do we just start Cook? Or do we start Madison? Do we, you know, we will have a really lively debate about that. What's something, you know, we're talking 14 years later and in, in coming off a massive six-figure win. Paul, what's something that you learned from that championship run and maybe other championship runs where you didn't come out with the grand prize? Something that you've learned along the way that, that you guys plan on applying in, in this year's uh, March to hopefully 500K? Yeah, I, I think one of them that we apply is you have to think really big, right? And I, and I actually tell people this, and this one sounds kind of morbid too, is – what what player benefits the most if somebody breaks their leg? And that year, I'm a huge Chiefs fan. I grew up in Kansas City. And that year, I think it was Larry Johnson's rookie year. And Priest Holmes was the stud. He was the first or second pick in almost every draft. And Larry Johnson benefited the most if Priest Holmes broke his leg. And so I think you need to think about that strategy of who – and it's always running backs, right? What backup running back do you, do you have on your roster – that if the starter goes out, right? If if um, way back when it was Emmett Smith or Damon Tomlinson, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, or in this case Cook, and we were fortunate enough that we, we did handcuff them. But a lot of other teams, we took Madison, you know, late. Those are the guys what we strategize about of taking these backup running backs when you get to the you know anywhere after the twelfth round that you want four or five of those guys and you hope one guy gets hurt and. Um, so that's a big part of it is having a, a big time, think big strategy of who benefits the most if somebody goes out. Paul, does that ever affect your, the way that you draft these teams, knowing that you're going to go for these higher upside running backs later that, that you might go a little dominant with the receiver squad or maybe uh, a tight end or two early. Does that ever affect the way you draft knowing that that's how you want to plan your, your championship round? Or is that something that doesn't really come into play as much when you're trying to build the core of your roster during the draft? No, it absolutely does. And that's part of the strategy. And so, you know, there's the zero running back theory where you take your first five picks that are all wide receivers. And I'm more of a hybrid person where I'd say, hey, yes, I would like, you know, I like, you know, three to four of those first picks. I want to be really big time receivers. And you'll get one decent running back. And the other one, you you admit that you're going to fight your way through the season. Try, you know, with all these backup running backs or shared running backs, even in the case in the middle, a little bit later in the middle rounds, hoping that one of them hits. Um, and we, we have that same strategy. Um, every single, I have five teams in um, the high stakes league and I partner with somebody on every single one of them. And it's somebody that I usually had a local league with that was, I felt was really good. Like, you know, spending time and talking with every week. And when they first come in, I have to talk to them about like, look, I know you're going to, this is going to be hard, but quarterbacks and tight ends, you, we want to go late and we want to load up with receivers. We want a good running back. And then we got to fight our way through another running back throughout the season. Um, and so, yeah, that's something we plan at the very beginning of the year. Let's um, let's talk a little bit about Tyler Lockett because he was another big story for Monday night football. As far as a uh, fantasy standpoint is concerned, um, gets the zero 
no, you know, just I, I was I, it was so funny because in one of my leagues, I I was up by point eight going into um, Monday Night Football, and he was done, and I had lock it, and uh, I was like, oh cool, you know, I'll build up some points right here. Uh, and then I saw he got the zero and then my heart stopped. I'm like, man, I hope he didn't have like a negative nine yard rush or something like that where I ended up losing the game. And it was one of those, oh, thank, God, thank goodness he didn't. But uh, it was one of those things where, you know, ever since he had that huge performance, I want to say against Philadelphia or, or somebody like three weeks ago, it's been pretty dismal for Lockett since then. And um, as I look at people trying to, um, establish some variance and gain some ground on some of these leading teams like yourself. Um, I wonder if Lockett, and this is a guy that you own, I wonder if Lockett's going to find himself on a lot of benches this week. Can you make a good case for playing Tyler Lockett here in week 14, or is he a must bench? So the, the first question I actually have for you, Eric, is do you know where uh, Lockett went to college? Uh, Kansas State, I want to say. Kansas State. So I'm a Kansas State graduate. That's there you one of the go. On my team. So whenever he scores a touchdown, I always text my co-owners like, hey, where did Lockett go to college? And so he, he's been just horrible in the last couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to talk about Beasley on our roster, too. Beasley's been coming up looking really good. And um, one of the ways that we communicate early in the week when I have a partner is one of us goes in and sets the lineup. And we kind of have a rule like, hey, if you're going to change that initial lineup that the person put in, you need to text them or call them. And I know I noticed that my co-owner put in Beasley over Lockett. And so, you know, one thing about Beasley is he has, you know, a very high floor and a low ceiling. While Lockett had that 40-point game, right? And if you are going to win these high-stake things, you got to have somebody like Lockett for three weeks go off for – 20, 30, and 40 points, where Beasley doesn't have that. And he's solid, right? He means he's always going to get you 8 to 15 every single week. And last week he had the revenge game against the Cowboys. And so we will have a healthy debate about Lockett, um, whether to put him in. And it has a lot to do who they're playing that week um, and who they're not playing. Uh, and Be- Beasley this week is playing Baltimore, which makes you nervous. Um and, you know, with Lockett, I, I think there's a good chance he might be in there, but there's also a good chance that, hey, he's playing the Rams. They have a pretty good defense. Maybe maybe we won't go with him. And so the good thing is we do have four or five guys on our bench that I think are, you know, solid guys. That are, they, they will make a difference. And normally they make a difference on your bye weeks, but it makes it really difficult when you're having a discussion about Lockett getting zero. And ever since he got hurt in the San Francisco game the last three weeks, he's been horrible. Um and, you know, I, I was up 18 points and I had Lockett and the kicker and, and I had Cook, right, um, against the Minnesota's quarterback. And you were just sitting there like, oh, my gosh, this can't go wrong. I mean, it's like an automatic win, you would think. So we'll have that debate. Yeah, and that will, and you, you'll have some time to decide, too, uh, as far as those. I think um, both Beasley and Lockett, I don't think either one of them. No, the Thursday night game is uh, Chicago and Dallas. So you'll have plenty of time to make up your mind on that. Um, let's talk about Cole Beasley because he's really come on uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, this is a guy that uh, Josh Allen uh, suddenly has eyes for, and I, I'm I'm just kind of curious why why does he did he have this sudden resurgence uh, in Buffalo over the last month or so? And do FFPC players need to find a spot for them in their lineups uh, until further notice? Because right now he's running pretty hot. And I, I think that there's you know it's all about who they're playing and who you would sit. Right. And, you know, if 
Cole Beasley was playing Miami, which he does twice a year, yeah, I would have him in over Lockett this week. But he's playing Baltimore, right? I mean, Baltimore looks pretty good. But he's he, he doesn't he remind you a lot of Edelman and yes. Wes Walker, right? Absolutely. He's going to be yeah. the he's going to be the guy that's going to get you six to eight catches for eighty yards every week. Maybe he'll get you some touchdowns. He's not going to go off for forty like a Lockett would. And so, yeah, I think you have to t- take serious consideration that hey. And I think you see this with these young quarterbacks, like that he has with Allen, is that they're going. They want to get those guys playing time. They're improving, improving throughout the season. And you know, Bu- Buffalo's a good team. I mean, they looked awesome against the Cowboys. And you, you got to, you know, best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And you got to be looking at putting Beasley in your lineup. And I think one of the things about Beasley that I like too is I did a lot of. Um, practice drafts right i didn't when i say practice a lot of them were the 35 dollars satellite leagues because i was bored traveling and when you when you did those you saw every single time that beasley was going between like the 15th and the 19th round right i mean this is a guy that's getting you 10 to 15 points every week and you could have had him in the 15th the 19th round of those drafts and so he's in huge value when you look at him too before we get into the second half of the show, I want to let you know about our friends over at ShipStation with the holiday rush on the way. You have to be able to ship out those orders or maybe it is just gifts. If you're a business, it's going to be the orders. And if you are just sending them out to friends and family uh, and doing it efficiently and affordably, there is only one place to do that. And that is at ShipStation. They keep track of all of the orders or all of the shipments. And they also help you to decide which carrier to use and to make sure if you're getting the best rates. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing your shipments, printing labels and getting those products out the door and delivered for the holiday ship station works with all the major carriers so you can compare them all and make sure you're getting the best value for yourself no wonder ship station is the number one choice for online labeling you ship in less time with the best rates available take the hassle out of your holiday shipping this year let ship station handle it for you with ease and you can use the offer code blue to get a 60 day free trial that's two months free of no hassle stress-free holiday shipping just visit shipstation.com click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in blue that's shipstation.com enter the code blue shipstation make ship happen and of course one of our loyal sponsors here on the show has been harry's looking for a great gift for somebody in your life maybe you're just looking for a gift for yourself Uh, talk about how guys often get dull cliched gifts like socks and wallets and ties one of the things i love getting on my gifts are nice quality blades and that is because it's something i don't like to buy for myself but wanting to buy them for yourself is something you can do with harry's because it is both thoughtful and practical and sometimes you get that little gift for yourself it can be very very convenient listeners to the show now can get five dollars off any harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com forward slash blue wire free shipping ends on december 16th so act fast and get ready for that perfect shave each harry's shave set comes with a weighted handle with the option to engrave and also a five blade razor cartridge foaming gel for a rich lather travel cover to protect your blades and also it is packaged in a holiday gift box free shipping as i mentioned before ends on the 16th of december so act now just go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire that's harrys.com forward slash blue wire you know it beasley is so funny because i i was telling a lot of the high stakes guys i've talked to this year i, I talked about how it was a tough year in the waiver wire and for anybody who goes zero rb uh, um it it maybe didn't work out the way that you planned this year you didn't have that magic 
um, running back that that you know came became an every week start. Yeah, guys that had certain certain pockets of of fantasy goodness, but no, nobody that lasted the whole season. And I was saying that I did zero RB in a ton of drafts this year, and I felt like I I always had the one extra receiver um, that, that I ended up getting like my fifth receiver was, was usually always startable every week, but I couldn't find a spot for him. And I felt like I was always one running back short. And to, to that end, I feel like I got Cole Beasley on a good number of my teams and he was my number six guy. And, 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 and to your, to speak to your point, I got him way late too. And I'm, you know, it almost seems like I should have rolled the dice a little bit more on a running back or two early when there were wide receiver values, um, you know, like Beasley uh, in the late rounds, or even think about off the waiver wire, DJ Chark and um, uh, Terry McLaurin early in the season too. And I, I look at it from 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 that standpoint, and maybe this is the way the NFL is shifting. But Paul, it, it, it seems like this year was was the year of the receiver off the waiver wire, or in the late rounds, because I think that there's a lot of talented teams out there that ended up getting some pretty good every week starters way late in drafts. I agree with you uh, a ton. Is we have I have Beasley on a lot of my teams, and I bet you yeah, in the last thirteen weeks we've only started him like two or three times, right? And you can sit there and say, you know, he he can. And every single week, are you sure we shouldn't start him? I mean, we we can I can go through a whole bunch. Who are you gonna Who are you gonna sit him for, right? And part of it is is that you're hoping. Part of it with these you know leagues is that points really matter. Like these last three weeks, points are really going to matter. And you want to take the risk of, hey, you know, getting 12 points from Beasley isn't going to help me out compared to getting 40 from Lockett. Which one's more chance to go to separate? And that's what's such a touch decision when you're doing it, you know? You've, you've already won a six-figure prize. Do you feel like um, – I think it's a, it's a misconception that every single one of your players has to go off every single week. But sometimes just as – I mean, obviously those 40-plus those point weeks are important – but you, you sometimes need that 15, that solid 15 to 17 per point for performer guy in your lineup too. Like you don't want to go crazy and start all huge upside guys because more often than not, it's not going to pay out enough for you to, to win the whole thing. I think you still need that, that steady dose of, of, um, of, uh, of fantasy production in there as much as you need those big time boom guys too, right? Yeah, and, and logistically, that's just not possible. You just you, you wouldn't we, we you and I would not draft, you know, only upside guys. You just want to do it. There's a whole bunch of guys that are really good and solid that they're going to be on your roster, right? And so um, it's just I don't even think it's it's possible to do that. But it always comes down: do I take this you know guy that hasn't been performing well with a whole bunch of upside, or do I take a solid Beasley, right? Yeah. And it, to me, it usually comes down a lot to the, the matchup they have for the week. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about Jonathan Williams, a guy who did actually, um, uh, cash in for owners, uh, last week off the waiver wire, uh, this week, not so much. So I, I'm kind of curious to get your feelings on him, given that he is on your team this year. Um, he is playing against one of the stingiest rush defenses in the NFL in Tampa Bay. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's true. Um, one of the stingiest rush defenses in, in Tampa Bay, and you look at, how he was stymied last week. Did we already see his best game of the season? And uh, is he a guy that, that you really can't afford to start right now? So I feel that we have re- we have really good depth. And so we, we would not be starting him this week because we have a whole bunch of other players that we could. And once again, he kind of had a bad week last week. And it, it looks like what's coming out is that Mac's going to play this week, right? Which just confuses the thing a whole bunch more. 
Um, and so, yeah, we, we were very fortunate is, you know, I, we had a huge week 12 problem. If you look at this team I have is we, we have, we had cook and we had Eckler and we had, uh, Tariq Hill and we had, um, LaShawn McCoy, who we drafted as a Buffalo bill. They're all on buying week 12. We had to go get running backs for week 12 and we were extremely fortunate to get Williams and him have a great week that week. And then we sat him last week. Um, just because we are so much deeper and that we're a little confused about it. So we'll, we'll definitely keep him on the bench this week and watch it. But the thing about Williams and I, I call it the backup running back. You, you want to talk about uh, Snell or you want to say Madison or Gus Edwards, these guys are going to matter and possibly in week 15 or week 16, right? They're going to shut down some of these starters that they have no chance of making the playoffs or they've already shored up their playoff spot. And these guys will make a difference. So, he might not make a difference today, but, you know, I, I would definitely like him on my roster that he could be there for when they shut down the starters because they aren't in the playoffs or something. So definitely don't start him this week, but definitely you're glad you have a whole bunch of those guys that might come through and separate yourself from everybody else. Yeah, you want to have options. I, I know a lot of my uh, playoff teams, they're, they're loaded with running back, backup running backs, and, I, you know, I just need, you know, things to fall the right way, and, and all of a sudden I – I can have a, a pretty big time running back uh, in, in well, not a big time running back, but a running back in a big time spot to to achieve a lot of fantasy production. Somebody who might be in that spot this week. We'll find out what happens with James Conner. Uh, Mike Tomlin saying today that he's basically questionable. He could see him playing, but he's got some work to do. If he does miss again this week, are you bullish on Benny Snell uh, enough to to start him in in your starting lineup this week at Arizona? Or is the um, you know Jalen Samuels Edmonds thing is that kind of um, gumming up the works in Pittsburgh? No, I you know Snell's getting the carries, and I I saw something I, I tried doing a little prep here for you, and it, it looks like that Connor's going to be doubtful is what I saw him listed at that he's going to need more time, and I I think Snell's you know, is a great start particularly against Arizona. And in fact, when you're looking at the guys we just talked about is we actually, for the last roster spot, it's Lockett, Beasley, or Snell. And that's the funny little thing that my co-owner will laugh at me is he took out Lockett and put in Beasley, and I took out Beasley and put in Snell. And those are those are great decisions to be able to have with a really good team, right? If that's your last guy you're starting as one of those three guys for this week, I'm really pleased about it. But we will, we will go back and forth. I mean – I think there's a good chance, myself being a K-State grad, that we'll go back with Lockett and the upside and have those discussions. But right now, I put Snell in over Lockett. Do you ever uh, – I, I mean, I, listen, you're an extremely accomplished player. Far be it for me to accuse you of any kind of homerism. Do you feel like that ever kind of – not blinds you, but p- puts you in a biased situation where like, ah, you know, Kansas State – Let's let's roll. What were they? The Wildcats, Paul? Wildcats? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. But let's go with the Wildcats this week, baby. We'll, we'll start Tyler. Do you ever think that that that's a hindrance for you, or or do you think that you're that you're um you're aware of it enough where you can kind of put it behind you and say, that's ah, fun to talk about, but come on, I'm not starting the guy simply because of he went to my alma mater. So a, a couple things is one things I tell you is I have this you know three ownership structure of multiple teams right, right. and I have this te- this this league uh, this team I have with Tom Cahill and my and my oldest son who's 21 this is his first time in the big dance is we will have a vote on these things my biases are known up front right everybody knows that I'm a chief and a K State guy now the thing about Lockett is I think we got him like in the fifth round right we got him late and so. What you have to overcome and have somebody either yourself hold you 
true or have your co-owner hold you true is that you don't jump the value of a guy because of your bias because you're a homer right and and so you know it now i also believe that hey i follow the chiefs more than any other team and hey i know that hey larry johnson way back when's looking really good from what everybody tells me from what i see and so i think your bias also is you have really good information and the important thing is to know what their value is and not to jump way in front of their value and get them more importantly for huge value get them a lot later than they were supposed to go because you know it i also believe one of my fantasy beliefs there's nothing you should if you're a, a chiefs fan is you should pick out one person on the chiefs that you think could get serious value right it's not the year before i drafted Mahomes. nobody knew who he was i did really well this year um you know, I have a little bit less. I have Hill on my team, but we got him for great value in the spot that he's supposed to. And then, like I said, I do follow Lockett because he's a K-Stater, and I got him, I think, great value. You told people you got Lockett in the fifth round. He was the number one receiver up until three weeks ago, right? Right. But I, I, you're, I, use your bias to make sure that you um, know more about that team. And that's one of the things when I have a co-owner, they usually are a fan of it. They're not a Chiefs fan, right? They're an Eagles fan. Tom's a big Seattle Seahawks fan. They follow that team and they know more information that they should be able to help you make your team better because they add value to something that everybody else doesn't know because they know them so well. Paul, speaking of the Chiefs, I, I should ask you, as long as we're talking about backup running backs, um, we, we saw uh, actually a few hours ago, Spencer Ware is, is now a, a Chief again for I don't know how many times. This is like three times now. But what wow. do you make of this signing? Um, what, what does this say about Damian Williams' injury? What does it say about their belief in Shady McCoy and, and Darrell Williams? And, and what do you see? Because not a lot of, obviously not a lot of people are going to have Spencer Ware on the rosters, but they will have the two Williams and they will have McCoy. Is this a situation to avoid now as far as second running backs and flexes go, or is there still some value here? So I, I think that we've seen with McCoy is that um, he, he just doesn't have it to, you know, he's not going to carry the whole, the whole team, the whole, he, he's, he's an older guy, right? He's, he needs to split carry something. He's very salvageable, very good player. I think he's somebody you would use for your bye weeks type of deal. Um, I think what it does tell you is that Daryl Williams is probably more hurt than we know. And Damian Williams might not be coming back if they signed him. Um, and they also must not think that Darwin Thompson is, you know, oh, enough yeah. of a guy. Yep. So, um, you know, it makes me a little concerned. I mean, but I mean, Shady can, can, can as a Chiefs fan, he, he'll be fine for what they need. But from a fantasy, he's not somebody you're going to rely on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of what we're it, looking at right there. And either will Spencer Ware, right? I mean, um, you know, if, if they, for some reason, have their playoff spot locked up or not, they're going to run Darwin Thompson, just like we talked about in the week 16, versus they're not going to you know, be playing – Spencer Ware a whole bunch unless they need to. And obviously they picked him up because they probably need a third running back. Um, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm going to bring this up because normally I don't like talking defenses on this show, but I think this is, it bears mentioning as far as how the championship round goes with rosters being locked. You kept the Rams as your only defense, uh, despite them having games against Seattle and then hitting the road against the Cowboys and then the Niners. Why were you confident enough in the Rams defense to roll them out there all three of these next weeks? So, you know, it's a really good question. And, and when you first bring in a co-owner that you're for the first time in this, and you tell them, hey, it's a locked deal. We're going to make it into the championship deal. And we need to rethink of what our, our lineup is. And so normally you always have one kicker. 
Well, if your kicker goes out for three weeks or for five weeks, that's a problem. And so normally we go back and pick up a second kicker. Right. But during the season, we only carry one kicker and one defense. Um, and then we'll just, you know, either pick up a new defense or a kicker on their bye weeks and drop that one. Or if we like them, we'll try finding a way. But a big part of it is, too, is who are you going to drop, right? So are you going to drop Beasley? Are you going to drop Terrell Williams? Are you going to drop Jonathan Williams? Are you going to drop Madison? I mean, we don't – I look at the defenses a little bit more flukish, right? If you – I think you're overthinking it if you think you can predict a better defense to, to pick some some weeks, right? And so we – on all my teams, we all, because we have so many of these – backup running backs that we hope to hit we'd rather carry those guys than to carry two defenses but uh, we would go back and pick up a second kicker for this and and it's not like you if a player like you know if um jalen ramsey goes down well you still have the Rams. the rams still feel the defense aaron Donald goes down the rams still feel the defense totally different as if you know if your kicker goes down you will be taking a zero there if you do not have a backup kicker not true with defenses and when you consider the variance in um you know starting the same defense every week as opposed to oh man i can't believe we cut jonathan williams now marlon max strained his hamstring and williams is getting 20 touches a week i wish we would have kept him you don't have to worry about that um so you're you're getting a a much bigger boom potential by keeping one defense on and i'm sure that that factored into the decision Absolutely. And you, there was a team in this league that made it into the playoffs that had three quarterbacks, uh, four quarterbacks, three defenses, and two kickers going oh into the playoff roster. Oh, my goodness. And, and what's funny is when we're doing the actual draft, we actually go through and cross teams out that there's no chance they can beat us. And <laughs> what, one year, the guy, you know, we talked about being biased and being a homer. One guy drafted like six Green Bay Packers. I'm like, there's no way they can beat us. And when people take two or three defenses or, or two kickers, we're like, or, or even they take three or four quarterbacks, we're like, they, you know, it's only going to confuse them, right. you know. And so this team had four quarterbacks, three defenses, and two kickers, and they're like, there's no way they should beat us. And then they made it to the playoffs. They made it in the playoffs, yeah. And oh. we beat them. But <laughs> you're still looking at it and you're thinking, what the heck? <laughs> Um, let's get back on the Seattle uh, conversation here. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny both had pretty good games on Monday Night Football. Actually, really good games on Monday Night Football. Um, it was a pretty good Vikings defense they were going up against, and both of them were start-worthy for fantasy. Are they both going to be start-worthy in the championship round going forward? I don't have their schedule in front of me uh, as far as who they play in Week 15 and Week 16. I know they are at the Rams this week. Um, but your thoughts on, on that backfield going forward because – uh, it certainly is an intriguing one. I think they, they both looked awesome. I was actually surprised that Carson got as many carries because he had been fumbling. I thought they were going to back him down. But one of the things that make them great players uh, on your team at any time, even if at the end or whenever, is that Seattle's a really good team. And they're going to be running the ball at the end of the game and getting a whole bunch of extra yards. And they, they I think they, I remember at the beginning of the season, they had more car- uh, running back carries than any other team. And so, yes, you, you would, you would, start, I don't think I'd, I'd have a problem. I would, I don't think I would start both of them if I had them on the same team. But if I had either one of those guys, I would find it hard pressed that they aren't in my starting lineup um, in the coming weeks. And I can't believe a matchup that you would not start one or the other. I, you know, I, I, I it's always tough for, you know, it's sort of like when November hits, when November 1st hits, I, I start thinking a little bit about 2020 drafts because we have a good establishment of, 
what we perceive as as how these teams value these guys and certainly free agency and rookies will change that but for a team that likes Chris Carson as much as they do for a team that invested a first round pick in Rashad Penny I gotta believe that both these guys are significant pieces in Seattle's backfield and and their offense in 2020 you look at Carson and Penny is this what we saw this past week is that sort of what Seattle wants to is that is that their plan for 2020 to see Carson and Penny be the 1A and 1B in that backfield and and both of them being potentially top 25 running backs? I agree. And I, I think that if you ask, you know, NFL GMs, they would all want that. They would all they know that <clears throat> that one running back just can't make it through the season. I mean, all by themselves, uh, whether they get dinged up or they just would and what the average running back in the NFL is like four years, they need two good guys. Um, and so you're going into next year is with them splitting carries. They won't might, maybe won't be as a number one pick, but you could get a great deal as, Hey, they're going to do well for you. And if one of them goes out, they're stuck, right? So they're, they're both. And like I said, you can't go wrong having a running back on Seattle where they run the ball more than any other team. Um, this has really been the running back show because a team that has had a bevy of running back production so far this year, you don't have to look any further than Seattle's own division in San Francisco. Tevin Coleman, Jeffrey Wilson, um, Raheem Mostert, uh, forgetting the other guy uh, that, that was there that, that put – oh, Matt Breida. Um, Breida. Those four guys, yeah, have all had um, pockets of fantasy uh, production this year that's been very valuable. How do you handicap it going forward – you know, Mostert looked the best uh, this past week against Baltimore. I don't know if he's the guy right now, but I'm just curious what, what you would do if you owned one or any of those guys in lineups going forward as, as far as trying to pick the right one, if there is a correct answer in that backfield. Well, I think after this past week, if you had Mostert, you would be starting him, I think. Now, I have Coleman on a, a team or two, and um, – I don't think I have better options at running back. You know, I already told you that I draft weak on the running backs to begin with. So I have right. a lot of guys like Coleman that you're looking to hit. Um, and so I think you probably, you know, depending on what other options you have, and you know, Coleman's one of the, you know, few running backs you have left, or it's your flex player, you, you might do. But he only had, he had five carries and one reception last week. And so if you have better options, yeah, you're not playing him. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating because it, it seems like, with the Niners um, and the way that the, how good their defense is playing, and with the options they have on the perimeter, you would think like, oh, this this game is or their their offense should be ripe for a really good running back. But they have so many guys there, and none of them, talent wise at least to me, has separated himself from the rest of them. And even when somebody's banged up, it's not like they have one guy to turn to. They could turn to two or three other guys. Uh, this has been very frustrating. But if you guess right. Um, I, it's so funny. I had Mostert going in, um, two, two of my leagues this past week. And then I took, I took him out in both leagues at the last second. And I put in, I think, um, Daryl Williams after the, the Damian Williams news came out. And I was obviously really ticked off that I did that. Didn't cost me. Thank goodness. Yeah, it, it, it did sting a little bit. Um, I got wins in both the leagues, thankfully. But, yeah, that stunk um, when when something like that happened. So I will definitely – you know, Mostert, if you pronounce it in a different way, it's must start. And I, I really got to drill that through my head uh, as I look forward to these uh, these next few weeks before the fantasy season wraps up. Um, Paul, it's, it's difficult to ask you 
what your biggest regret is when you have two teams in the championship round, both heavily in contention, uh, coming off a, um, a, a league title in the main event um, and really managing your teams to a lot of success already. This, If you have one regret with, with this specific main event team, with your other main event team that's in the championship round, with any of your teams, with any strategies, with any draft picks, with, with, with any player talent evaluation that you did prior to the draft season, what's your biggest fantasy regret uh, for the 2019 season that you wish you would have done differently? So for this team is we had like, it seemed like everybody and their brother on by in week 12. We had Eckler who's doing great. We had Cook, we had McCoy, we had Madison, we had Hill. Um, and we, we knew that we, we had a strategy and we were very heavy on Eckler, right? You could get him late. Everybody, you know, didn't think he was going to be the starter and do this well. And our strategy was, is that he was going to do well early and that we were going to take hunt late as a, as a kind of a plan. And so I highly encourage people, like you got to think of big time strategies like that. Um, and, and pairs like that. And we didn't get – Hunt went really early in this league. So we have Hunt in a lot of leagues, and we, we've got her paired with Eckler, uh, thinking like, hey, Eckler might not be there at the end, and he's doing awesome. And Hunt is coming on. Uh, and so we wish we would have gotten Hunt earlier on that whole deal. Um, it's probably one of the things that we regret on that team. Yeah, I, I mean – okay, so the thing is with Hunt, it it was tough for I didn't I didn't draft him anywhere. It, it was tough for me just to stomach keeping a guy I had to draft in like the ninth, tenth, eleventh round, whatever, on my roster till that late in the season where I could actually use him because of the suspension. And then honestly, with with no guarantee that he'd be successful, that that was my whole thing. Of and I guess I don't regret it a ton, but I, you know, after listening to you, maybe I should regret it more because he'd be quite the weapon down the stretch here in in the uh, in the playoffs. And, and we had targeted him like it's all about the value, right? And right. We were, talking, yeah. we were talking about like the 14th, 15th round and getting Eckler like in the fifth to the seventh round. And that's a great pair. And and some of our a lot, most of our leagues, I mean, there are some leagues that Hunt went like in the 19th round um, in this league. He, he went really early. And so it probably isn't our regret, but we probably should have done a better job of like they, they just kept falling to us. Right. We knew we wanted Eckler. We, we cook kind of fell to us, um, on this draft. And then we, we did have a strategy with McCoy too, is we really did think he was going to get traded to the chiefs. Um, being a chiefs guy, that was one of my, you know, inside bias things is like, Hey, this right. guy could be the starter on the number one offense. Why would we not take him in the 10th or 12th round with McCoy? So that was another one, but we had too many guys in week 12. We probably should have done a little bit better job of looking at that. Well, you've done a very good job, by and large, in managing this team. This was a lot of fun uh, talking fantasy with you this week. I want to ask you one final question before I, I let you go with, get involved in your championship round uh, lineup preparation. A uh, player that you think uh, a lot of players are actually going to be starting this coming week that you think when it's all said and done is going to be better off or would have been better off on their benches. And then another player that, I, you know, I don't want to use the term sleeper, but a player that a lot of FFPC players are going to have on their benches that you think, hey, you might want to reevaluate this, take another look. He should probably be in your lineup this week. So the one I'll throw out there, which we our quarterbacks are Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. And I'm, I'm a biased Chiefs guy, right? I know their defense is horrible. And I can't believe that Brady's not going to have a better week. And Lamar Jackson is playing Buffalo, at Buffalo. Um, it would be – and the thing is, is that – I, I doubt that I could convince one of my 
co-owners to sit Lamar Jackson. But if you ever going to think about it is that and you look at the stats of the number of teams that are, you know, in the championship round that have Lamar Jackson, he's one of the top five guys. And so you could have a gutsy move there and say, hey, I want to sit him for somebody like Tom Brady. And the guy that I would be going all in on that I do have on my team is DJ Moore. We haven't talked about him. He's really starting to come on. He has that huge upside where he can go for 40 points. I think he had 32 weeks ago. And he's playing Atlanta, right? And so and, – and not a lot of people have him that are in the championship round. So he's one of those guys that DJ Moore, uh, he goes crazy um, for a couple weeks here. He's one of the guys that could really separate you and win you that title. Let, let me ask you just a real quick question about DJ Moore. Um, he was a guy that, that I like quite a bit heading into the season. I got him on a, on a number of my teams. I've been very happy with it. But when I look back on it and I realize that, look, that he was catching passes not from Cam Newton this year. He's catching them from Kyle Allen, and he's done this well. And I look at it from the standpoint of 2020 drafts. I don't know who Carolina's starting quarterback's going to be next year. I don't think it's going to be Cam Newton. I don't know if it's going to be Kyle Allen. It could be somebody else. But I look at what he's done with, with Kyle Allen. Paul, I mean, how high is this guy going to go in drafts? Because I don't see any reason whether, you know, I mean, I, I certainly can't see Carolina employing a worse quarterback next year to start the season than Kyle Allen. I, I just, I think the sky's the limit for DJ Moore. What round might he go as high as uh, next year? Is he a second round pick? Is he a third round pick? Where do you see him going? I think he's a third or fourth round pick. I don't necessarily see him in the second round, but I can't see him fall into the fifth round either. Right. He's going to be the third or fourth round um, there. So he's going to, he's going to, he's going to do really well next year. He's been doing well this year. Yeah. And I think about all the people that were loving Curtis Samuel uh, in the preseason and, and it looked good for a little bit. And then all of a sudden DJ Moore just sort of took over. He's been great. And um, if you got him on your team and you're in the championship round, uh, he might end up doing a lot of damage for uh, for your team, as he will for Paul Friel's team. Paul, thank you so much uh, for uh, joining me this week on The Lowdown. I certainly appreciate it. I wish you nothing but the best of luck for all of your teams going forward. Enjoy Week 14, and who knows, maybe you'll be cashing another six-figure grand prize when it's all said and done uh, come uh, after Week 16. Sure hope to be talking about that check uh, next time we talk. That sounds great, Paul. Uh, be good, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.